Welcome to Thrive Church Podcast. We just want you to know that wherever you are in your faith journey, you are welcomed, you are loved, and you are accepted. I hope that as you listen to our podcast, you are moved and inspired to grow closer in your faith with God. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the message. So I have been excited about today. I've been telling you about a, a, a friend that I have been praying for, uh, have been praying for for, for many months uh, be, before, and, and they're going to come up and share their story. But I want everybody to know this morning, I just want to remind you, you already know this, you know this, but each and every one of you is a minister, right? Can I have all of my ministers just raise their hand right now? Every person, if you're a Christ follower, you're a minister, right? Right? Everybody's a minister. But you're also more than a minister, you're a missionary. You're kind of an M&M. You're an M&M. Just look at your, your friend next to you and say, I'm an M&M. You can, you can be a green M&M, you can be a purple M&M, whatever, you, whatever M&M you want to be, but you're an M&M. And this morning, so you're called... You're called to your community, to the 715 area code. That is your calling, because each missionary has a calling. Each minister is But sometimes God calls people to places literally on the other side of the world. And we had the opportunity as a church to partner with people like that. And to me, these people are heroes. They are truly heroes. And so this morning, we have heroes among us who are going to come and share their story, and you are so going to be blessed, and you're so going to be challenged. So with that, I'm going to welcome to come right now Dan and Sandy Winkleman. and just give them a hero's welcome. All right, Thrive Church, man, it's good to be here in Wausau. Love it, love it. We're so blessed to be here. I'm Dan, and this is my wonderful wife, Sandy, and we're your missionaries to the nation of Myanmar. And if we could put that uh, up on the screen, we can show you where it's at. To, to the west, it's bordered by Bangladesh and India. Uh, to the north and east, uh, China. And then, of course, you see Laos and Thailand there to the east. Uh, Burma is uh, also known as Myanmar. And uh, there's about 54,000 people that live there, and about 85% of those people are Buddhist. And it's a very uh, developing nation, so it's not got all the bells and whistles that you have here today, <laughs> all the good things that we take for granted sometimes in the U.S., but uh, we were uh, called to go there and to do a work in Myanmar, and I wanted to just point this out on the tables back as a little prayer card. I'd uh, love for you to pick that up and pray for the people of Burma. Uh, there's only like 5% uh, of that 54 million that are actually Christian, in that country, uh, there are 500,000 monks, priests, right, of, of the Buddhist uh, religion there. So it's a very dark world. And I think there may be 20 missionaries of all different denominations in that entire nation. So we're, we're kind of like outmanned. But God is doing something in that, in that uh, nation and has called Sandy and I to go there uh, and serve uh, doing that. Um, so before we uh, get started, I, I wanted to just say thank you to Thrive Church because before we went to Myanmar, we actually came here and ministered and uh, received a wonderful offering to help us get to the nation of Myanmar and do the work that uh, uh, we uh, were going to do there. 
and have done there. So um, this morning we want to just share a little bit of our story and then I believe God has a word for this church. Uh, so can I just pray and just we just believe that God's Holy Spirit will uh, do that uh, this morning, his work in our hearts. So Father, I'm praying right now, Jesus, will you send your Holy Spirit here this morning and that you will capture our hearts and minds for your purposes and plans. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to move among your people in this place in a way that, God, they will know that you have visited them, that they have encountered you. And so I'm asking that, Father, because your people need you in this hour more than ever before. And so we ask for that in Jesus' mighty name. I don't know if you remember, but uh, Sandy and I pastored in Stevens Point Highland Church for the last, uh, for, it was for 12 years or so. And uh, during that time of pastoring, uh, we traveled to Myanmar to do leadership training for uh, several years. And it was during those travels that we fell in love with the people of Myanmar and, um, and uh, received a call <laughs> to go to Myanmar. And of course, Sandy and I were already 50, how old were you, 57? We were thinking about retirement. Let's just put it that way. We weren't thinking about transitioning a wonderful, beautiful, thriving church and travel to the other side of the world. But God's call is something that just weighs on your heart, and you have to obey God's call. And so we did just that. Uh, we transitioned our church. God gave us a vision of a million souls for Christ through planting churches in Myanmar. And I can tell you, when I heard that vision come, and God said a million souls, I thought, this is absolutely insane. I thought maybe more like 10 or 15, maybe 100. Wouldn't that be awesome? 100 souls. But this was God's vision, because I, you know, this is little vision. I was thinking little vision, but when God gives a vision, it's like bigger than what we can do in our own strength, right? It's bigger than us, and so it did motivate us. We shared it with the AGWM, our you know Assembly of God World Missions, and they said, you know what? We were just planning and thinking about doing a church planting movement where Myanmar. <laughs> So it was, a, it was a God thing, and we connected, to make a longer story short, uh, we transitioned our church to wonderful leadership that we had raised up, and Sandy and I moved, clear on the other side of the world, to Myanmar, and we began to teach and preach and uh, travel the nation and train leaders and train church planters, and as we did that, we were sponsoring churches to be planted where the church has never been planted, to share the gospel where the gospel has uh, never been planted. But I'm telling you, it wasn't easy. If any of you think that becoming a Christian is going to make life easy, well, you've been sold a bill of goods, right? You've been lied to by that evangelist. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be filled with joy. It's going to be filled with love and hope and faith and excitement. It's going to be filled with the kingdom of God and the power of God and the presence of God. That, that's what we've signed up for, not easy. If you signed up for easy, you're in the wrong place. But we've signed up for power and blessings, and that's what God did. He blessed us, but we had a lot of hardships, language barrier, culture, food and water. And it was, I was sick half the time. She never got hardly sick, but I was. I had bronchitis, I had dengue fever. I had, uh, anyway, there's just a lot of hardships. Missed our grandkids. Oh, man, we missed our family. But in all of it, God was moving. The air was hard to breathe. Ugh. Dirty air. 
But at one point, Dan was asked to do a uh, training for some pastors in a city called uh, Lashio. It's way up near the China border. And as he spoke about dengue fever, he was still recovering from dengue fever at that time. And I was very concerned about his health because a very long and dangerous trip up there. He'll talk about that trip. And I didn't want him to go. But then I'd heard, what well, we had heard, that the pastors in Lashio had been praying for two years for an AG pastor from America to come and share with them. Well, when I heard that, I knew the Lord would have them go because this would be the answer to their many prayers. And as a result of that trip, the Lord blessed and ministered to those pastors. So we're happy for that. Amen. It wasn't all hardship, okay, because I got to a friend of mine, a missionary friend of, of mine and myself. We got on our Honda 250 Enduros. Now, riding motorcycles in the jungle and, and up into Myanmar is a blast. But as Sandy said, it's very dangerous because the traffic is just absolutely insane. I mean, you got, you've got these Chinese drivers coming out of China, coming down through these mountains, and I don't think they ever learned how to drive a truck because they don't follow any kind of traffic patterns or rules. It's every man for himself. And about the time you, you, know, you evade the trucks, and then there's you know, ox carts and people carrying all kinds of stuff, and it was crazy. But it was truly a blast, and uh, we did make it to Lashio, and we were able to minister to them up there, and they were blessed, and God moved. And on the way home, well, it was, it was good, but I hit a pothole with the front end of my motorcycle, and it kind of jarred my back, and I felt a little twinge there. And now uh, seven hours later, I finally get back to Mandalay, which is in the middle of the state, and then we fly to Yangon, where we lived. It got to the point where I thought, I better go get it checked out. So if you know anything about a developing country, to go to a hospital in a developing country like Myanmar, like, oh, yeah, yeah. They got an x-ray machine that looks like a copy machine back here in your, you know, it wasn't quite that bad. I am exaggerating just a little bit. But it was like, okay, so but they did have a doctor. He took an x-ray, and he gave me a diagnosis. It's a sprain down the left side of your back. Give me some pills, sent me home. Well, we had to go to Thailand for a week of uh, trainings and doing things over there, and the pain continued to increase. So we went back and forth to the hospitals there and said, look, something's wrong. They took x-ray, said, same thing. You've got a sprain down the left side of your back. Gave me some pills, sent, sent us on. After I don't know how many times doing that, we were ready to go back to Myanmar from Thailand. I said, no, Sandy, something's not right. So we went back into a, a better hospital, in a, uh, international hospital there, and said, look, something doesn't feel right. So they finally, long story short, they said, okay, we'll do a CT scan. And so they did a CT scan, and that's when they came back and gave me a sentence of death. They said, sir, you have inoperable pancreatic cancer. I don't know if you know anything about pancreatic cancer, but 9 out of 10 die soon after diagnosis. The odds were against me. <laughs> and we went from that meeting back to the hotel. We were in Bangkok. It's dark. We were alone in that room, that um, hotel room. And, man, I'm, I'm telling you, I felt crushed just crushed and alone, and I, we were both just in shock. I mean, here we are, right, doing good things for God. Why would he allow this? I mean, 
Lord, were you punishing us? It, did, it just didn't make sense. And so we're laying there in bed and we're just crying out to God and crying out to God. And of course we're believing for supernatural healing, right? We're believing for healing. We're crying out. And that's when I sense the presence of the Lord come up the left side of my bed because I knew it was either the Lord or an angel because immediately peace, immediate peace came. And that's when I heard the Lord speak to me. And this is exact words. He said, Dan, remember how many times in the past I have rescued you from imminent danger and death? And I started thinking, I'm thinking, wow, yeah, Lord, you have. And then I heard him speak again. <clears throat> Dan, I'll rescue you again. His exact words. So after that, we had to fly back to Myanmar, where we were, we were living, and get ready to uh, leave to come back here to the States. Um, and of course, we were still such a mess, you can imagine. It's, yeah, it was not a good time. But we were so thankful because God went before us and took care of all of the many details. So when we got back there and we had to pack up our apartment and we had to get ready to fly home. And also, people around the world began to pray for us. And only two days after we landed in Chicago, we were on our way to the very first appointment with one of the best pancreatic cancer care teams possibly in the world. So God was so good to us at that time. Amen. Now, I'm a man of faith. I believe I am, right? I've seen God supernaturally heal people, and that's what I wanted, because I wanted to get back to work, because God was doing some amazing things in Myanmar, in Burma. But for whatever reason, I don't understand it. God wanted me to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And then we had to. I had to go through chemo that almost killed me, and then I had to go through radiation, Weeks of weeks of radiation. And then I had to go through a surgery that led to infections over 60 days in the hospital where I almost died at least twice. And I'm thinking, God, why? Why are you allowing this? And it was when God kind of spoke to me then and he said, you know, Dan, don't ask why. Just ask what? <laughs> what am I doing? And ask how. How do you want me to respond, Lord? How should I react? What should I do? And I just am here to tell you that God is the God of the valley. It's just as much as he is the God of the mountaintop. You know, God is in failure, in trouble, in times of testing, just as much as he is in success, same God. Man, does he love us. Does he love us. But the bottom line is this. Here's the bottom line. I stand before you this morning healed. And I have no cancer. God healed me of cancer. One of the deadliest cancers that is out there. And God has healed me and set me free. But here's the thing. 
God did rescue me. Just like he said, I'll rescue you again. He did rescue me. But had I not gone to Lashio, if I'd have stayed back and kind of just took it easy, and I didn't walk by faith and obey what God had asked me to do, if I hadn't gone to Lashio, if I hadn't hit that pothole, I'm telling you the potholes of life are a beautiful thing. They're a beautiful thing. If I hadn't strained my back, if I hadn't had pain, if I hadn't continued to, to listen to the urging of the Lord and go back and get that CT scan, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be here talking to you. So God did rescue me. He did intervene. And our, our, our pancreatic cancer uh, uh, care team at Frederick Hospital, I mean, these people are amazing. But they, too, have said this. And I love it the way they put it. They said, your God has definitely intervened on your behalf. These are just some of the amazing things that God did along the way. Even as you were talking, we never thought of it before. When you got your diagnosis, they said inoperable. So another amazing thing is that God made it become operable. So that, that's another one that we, I just tumbled to as he was talking. So praise God. That's awesome. So here's some more. God resolved passport issues for our return to the States in a matter of like hours. That's unheard of in a country that's, yeah. Anyway, God provided business class tickets for our return. Everybody oh, boy, was that. business class. That was Just awesome. You, you could, the seats lay down. It's wonderful. The food is delicious. Oh, it was great. So we thank God for that. So that was amazing. He also provided an appointment with Dr. Evans. He is a world-renowned surgeon and oncologist, and he specializes in pancreatic cancer. And he he allowed us to come for an appointment without even a referral or seeing his medical records. And the cancerous tumor was caught before it had spread. So that was awesome. Potholes are beautiful. His cancer count was really high when they started the first chemo and it didn't do anything. It didn't go down at all. So the doctor prescribed a different chemo and the counts came down dramatically and in, went into a normal range. Huh. Uh, at first, the insurance company said, we will not cover a surgery because they didn't think it would be successful. But we prayed and we got other people praying and agreeing with us and they actually reversed their decision. So we are awesomely thankful for that because that's a huge miracle. It was a nine hour complicated surgery and the, and the doctor said that it went as good as it could in a million, million years. Then they also told us that Dan would likely be a diabetic and would have to take insulin. But guess what, folks? God is good. He does not have to take insulin. And thanking God for his grace, all of those medical bills have been paid in full. Hallelujah. Thank God with us, will you? Because, because you know, we are we're no different than you. We're just people, right? God didn't heal me because we're missionaries. God didn't heal me because, you know, we're ministers or whatever. God healed us because he loves us. 
and because he has a purpose and a plan for us to continue. <laughs> you know what? God loves you the same way. So all I'm saying is if whatever valley you're going through, whatever impossible thing that you're facing, just remember God is with you in that valley and he will rescue you. And while we were going through all those hardships and all the things that we had to go through, God still moved in Myanmar just like he promised. Let me show you this little video to give you an update as to what God has done just in the short time that we have been there. These are some of the pagodas or the stupas that they build for karma. Even though they have no money, they build them. 500,000 monks that grow up from a child in the monasteries. I think there's like 145 or 47 different languages, different tribal languages in Myanmar, so very difficult to reach the nation. But Burmese language, most of the people there There's the motorcycles packed up. We, my friend Steve, some of the traffic we ran into on the side roads. This is a training seminar that we put on for the church planters that we, we vet and train to send out where the church has never been planted. Church, okay? By planting a Christian church among the Buddhists. So we trust the Lord to equip them, to encourage them, but also to empower them with the Holy Spirit to do, to do things that they've never done before. the work. And we get an opportunity to feed them, bring them together and worship. We have a number of ladies that pastor and they do very well. Some of the uh, encounter services we have for the church planters. They're on fire for Jesus. ไม่เล่นมาเล่นอยู่เลยต้องเล่นสิไหนเด้อเนาะมันเล่นมาเล่นอยู่เลยต้องเล่นสิไหนเด้อวิ่งโจ๊ะจ้ามาบ่าวโ
one church plant. And right now he's building a building. He's got like 64 children that he's teaching in schools. Getting a little nervous? Yes. Well, because you got a basket of food. Praise God with me for that. Thank you, God. For your glory, Jesus. For your namesake, Lord. And we thank you for it. But I can tell you, going to, going to Myanmar was not easy, right? I, and I know sometimes just getting up and going to church, right, is not easy. But again, it's not about what's easy. It's about what is God doing and what does God want to do in you. And I can tell you that Sandy and I, our lives have been shaken and I, how many of you have ever been in an earthquake? Anybody here been in an earthquake? I don't know about you, but when I was a teenager, I lived in Alaska, and I went through a really bad earthquake up there. I mean, to the place that I was walking and along, and you could just see the earth rolling. I'd never seen that before in my life, and it freaked me out. I mean, it just was really, really disturbing and scary. And I watched these houses, you know, just kind of going back and forth on their foundation, and some of the foundation was crumbling and man, I mean, it was scary and disorienting, right? I, I didn't know how to get to where I was going because it would throw me off course. And, uh, and it, it, was, it was difficult. But I can tell you right now, you know, uh, earthquakes shake. <laughs> they shake everything. And I can tell you that if you look at our world right now, God is really shaking our world, wouldn't you say? Our world is shaking, and God is shaking our world. Now, I know you might be thinking, well, wait a minute, that ain't God doing that. That's the devil. No, no, I, gotta, I want you to understand something. It is God that is shaking the world right now. God is shaking our nation. God is shaking your state. God is shaking the church. God is shaking his people because God is doing something that takes a shaking. And I had a pastor friend of mine tell me one time, Dan, when everything shakes and everything's going crazy, just remember that God has Satan on a leash. <laughs> yeah, we know that the devil's doing this, right? But the only reason it's happening is because God has said, okay, you go out and do this, and you go out and do that, and you go out and do that, but you can't do anymore. God's shaking everything around us. It can be very scary, very disorienting. 
Very disorienting. But as believers of Christ, in Christ, okay, as, as children of God, we may be shaken, right? But we will not be moved. We will not be moved. We may be shaken, but we will not be moved. And so I want to share a psalm with you this morning about a time when David and his life was shaking. Everything was shaking for him. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there. If not, I can throw it up online there or up on the, on the screen of Psalm 11. And let me read this to you. And, and please try to absorb this psalm. Absorb this into your mind and into your heart. Because I believe it has a word for us as the church. And specifically even for your church right now. Because I think this church has gone through some shaking. Would you, would you agree? But let me tell you something, church. It's God that's doing the shaking. It's God that's shaking, and there's a reason for it. David said this, <clears throat> chapter 11 of Psalms, I trust in the Lord for protection. So why do you say to me, why do you say to me, fly like a bird to the mountain for safety? The wicked are stringing their bows, and they're fitting their arrows on the bowstrings. They shoot from the shadows at those whose hearts are right. The foundations of law and order have collapsed. What can the righteous do? But the Lord is in his holy temple, and the Lord still rules from heaven. He watches everyone closely, examining every person on the earth. The Lord examines both the righteous and the wicked. He hates those who love violence. He will rain down blazing coals and burning sulfur on the wicked, punishing them with scorching winds. For the righteous Lord loves justice, and the virtuous will see his face. Father, I'm praying right now. God, I'm asking you because I know you're God, and you love us, you love this church, you love every, every one of your kids here this morning. I'm asking you, Jesus, right now, to pour out your spirit in the midst of all this shaking, in the midst of all this mess, in the midst of everything that's taking place, that, Lord, you will pour out your spirit and you will strengthen our heart, you will strengthen us in the inner man, and, Lord, that we will see things this morning that we've never seen before and that we will experience you, Lord Jesus. We will experience you afresh and anew. Revive us this morning, here in this place, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Psalm 11 is talking about David who uh, was learning how to stand unafraid in the midst of all that was going on. And that's kind of the idea. What shall we do as the church? What shall you do as the children of God? What shall the righteous do to stand unafraid in the midst of shaking? To stand unafraid in the midst of COVID, right? To stand un unafraid in the midst of it's all that's going on in our world, in our country, in the politics and everything. How do we as the church stand unafraid in that shaking? And I want to give you some ideas this morning that if you will listen to them and put them into practice, they will secure you and they will keep you safe in the midst of all of the, the quaking and the movement and the shaking that's going on. And number one, how do we stand unafraid in the midst of shaking? First of all, renew your trust in the Lord. David said right there in verse 1, I've, he proclaimed his trust in the Lord. 
So why do you say, run to the mountains? Right now, church, is the time to renew your faith. It's to revive your faith in Christ. And how do we do that? Well, faith cometh by hearing and hearing the Word of God. The Word of God has to become center post in your life again. The Word of God is what brings faith, and faith is what's going to get you through this time. And so David proclaimed his faith in the Lord. He didn't listen to his counselors who were saying, hey, you better run to the hills. Because in that day and age, you know, that was kind of an idea where you would run to the hills to where the shrines of other gods were and maybe seek help from them or run and hide because you were in fear. How many of you feel like we just need to run and hide right now because you're afraid of something? Fear has gripped your hearts. Well, David, when his heart was gripped with fear, he proclaimed, he renewed, he revived his faith in the Lord and he professed it. Even though his counselors were saying, man, you better head for the hills. This is really bad. David was under huge stress. There was a lot of people that were attacking him. They were trying to kill him. He was on the run. He says, no, I'm putting my trust in the Lord. David renewed his trust. And he resisted the temptation to put his trust in the shrines on the top of those little hills. David did something. You know what he did? He didn't run to the hills of what, what other gods could do, he ran into the mountain of the Lord. And that's what we do as Christians. We don't run in fear. Many in this world look at Christians as weak. We're not weak. We run into the mountain of God, where the, where the presence of God dwells, where, where the God who created the heavens and the earth, the almighty God, where he lives. That's where we go. We don't run and hide in the hills. And trust in our own strength, and our own wisdom, and our own education, and everything that we can do. If you're trusting in that, man, you, it's, it's going to be a hard journey. Hard journey. I don't know, but I gave up a long time ago trusting in my own strength. And my, I'm not the brightest bulb of any tree, let me tell you. <laughs> you, you know, I, but I'm not going to go there. I've got to get back to the message. Anyway, uh, David resisted that temptation. Even though he was in trouble, he was in big trouble. And in times of shaking, David learned to run to the mountain of God. And he said, you know, the wicked are stringing their, their arrows on their bow. Verse, verse 3, is it? Or 2. Wicked are stringing their bows and fitting their arrows on the bowstrings. In other words, they were coming up out of the shadows and trying to kill him. How many of you today feel like every time you turn around, somebody's trying to shoot something at you? <laughs> I mean, just feel a constant, well, church, we're under attack. You as a believer this morning, as a Christ follower, maybe you're here, you're just seeking this whole thing about Jesus. You've not made a commitment yet. You're under attack. The enemy's design, his tactics, is to unsettle you and divide you and to destroy your faith, to destroy your love, to destroy your joy, to divide you, divide the church. Someone said to me, if it only took masks, to divide the church, the devil would have done it a long time ago. I mean, there's so much division right now because people are looking in so many different directions for answers. The psalmist says that bitter words are like arrows. And he said here that it's like they're stringing their arrows. And so the enemy is using people to 
shoot arrows at you every day through different narratives, through different communications or podcasts or posts or through different news stories. The enemy is using those bitter, contentious, divisive words through those political narratives that are being spun for their own profit, for their own popularity. And as people of God, we don't even know who they are, right? We just watch the media. We just go on social media and we read what people write and we go, oh, that must be true. And we're influenced by that. And the devil is trying to destroy the light and the truth that you have with the lies and the hidden agendas and the stories and the words, the contentious, divisive words that people are shooting at you. And you know, we go on social media and we just what? We just drink it in. Rather than drinking from the fountain of God and running to the mountain of God, we drink in what people we don't even know are saying about this, that, and the other thing. And we run to social media, we run to these narratives, we run to the, what people are saying that we don't even know rather than running to God. Because we want to be informed, right? We don't want to be stupid. The problem is you're not being informed, you're being infected by the message and the narrative. And I think God is trying to say to us as the church, man, you need to be spending more time, I know it sounds a little corny, but you need to be spending more time in the faith book than you do on Facebook. You need to be spending more time searching God than you're searching Google. Come on, church, rise up and be who God has called you to be, the church here in, in Wausau. He's doing something new in the 715 area code. My number is 715. I'm not going to give you the rest. 555. Five, five. <laughs> oh, the devil's trying to, to kill and steal and destroy right now. And we're just drinking it in. God is saying, get his narrative. Get his narrative on this, right? Go to God. Get his narrative. And you'll find yourself walking right through this with the Lord Jesus who comes to give life and life more abundantly. But what fountain are you drinking from? What well are you drinking from? This very season that we find ourselves in. You know what the devil, I, do you remember that, that it was uh, way back when, I think it was one of those um, um, cartoons, what do they call them now? graphic where they do um, cartoons like you know but the, I, the word is animation. animation so so there was one I think it was Ice Age or one of those anyway anyway there the, there's these vultures right there what is it yeah Ice Age there's these vultures that are kind of all together and they're talking all this trash and then all we hear is this doom and gloom Doom and gloom. Do you, do you ever, anybody? Well, you guys are all too old for that. 
One of the congregations, all the kids go, yeah! But that's what's happening with all this narrative. Doom and gloom. <laughs> and you need to read the story. <laughs> it's not doom and gloom. It's not doom and gloom at all. Instead of running in fear for the hills for safety, David stood unafraid. In the mountain of the Lord, in the midst of shaking, he proclaimed his faith in God. When was the last time you confessed your faith to somebody, proclaimed your faith, renewed your faith? So if you want to stand unafraid in these days that are ahead, renew your trust in the Lord, but also... As we read, we need to strengthen the foundations. What shall the righteous do when the foundations crumble? What shall the righteous do when law and order begins to unravel? Well, we need to strengthen the foundations. We need to strengthen the foundations of our faith. And I want to give you some foundational stones that you need to have in your life that you, you understand them and you are engaged in them. You don't just know them and have a head knowledge, but they're in your heart. And these, these foundational stones, if you set them in place, the whole building will stay sound. Your life will stay sound no matter what shaking comes. And the first foundational stone I want to give you is, is that great stone of the great commandment. How many of you know that by heart? I love the Lord God with all my heart, strength, soul, and mind. And what? Yeah, we... We always forget that part, it just seems. And love your neighbor as yourself. we got to get that right. I think as a church, we do pretty well at loving God. I mean, we love God, right? We, we, we try to keep his commandments, and we go to church, and we do all these things. But he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. As Americans, we know how to love ourselves really well. I know how to take care of myself. We know how to comfort ourselves, don't we? But it's meant so that we would comfort others, that, that we would love our neighbors as ourselves, And so that's what God is after. When the foundations of law and order and our values seem to be crumbling, just remember that the foundations of God can never be moved. They'll never fail you. Now here's what's going on. There's a conflict, a conflict happening. There's a war, mind you. It's happening. There's a conflict. But the conflict is not between Democrat and Republican. It's not a political conflict. You might think it is, but it isn't. The conflict is between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. How many of you have ever prayed the Lord's Prayer? Yes. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. I saw at least a number of you raise your hands. Well, it's all your fault. Thy kingdom come. Let me tell you, when God's kingdom comes, things begin to shake. It's true. That's what's happening. What you're witnessing right now is the power of God's kingdom moving upon the earth. And sure, people are giving their whole narrative about it. It's the left, it's the right, it's this, it's that. No. Oh. God's doing this thing. The writer of Hebrews writes in Hebrews 12, 26 to 29. Listen to this. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake. Who's writing that? God. Once again, 
I will shake. Not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed. That's future. It's happening. It's going to come. So this, so that, only unshakable things will remain. Now get this, verse 28. Imprint this into your mind, church, since we are receiving a kingdom that is what? Unshakable. <laughs> That's the kingdom that we are a part of. When you signed up to follow the king, who's the king? Jesus. You signed up to become children, sons and daughters of the kingdom. That kingdom is coming. And it's shaking everything. But we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. So then let us be thankful. How many have been thankful? It's a good thing to have, a good attitude, a good quality to have right now, to be grateful for what God has done in your life. Let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a devouring fire. There needs to become a little bit more of the fear of God in the church. Because here comes the king. How is that going to work for you? Oh, maybe we are. Hey, have you ever thought about? I mean, when I was going through the valley of the shadow of death, you know what the thing was? I was in a lot of pain and suffering and all that, but that, that's not what really bothered me. What bothered me was, too, I just might be standing before Jesus. I might just be passing through the veil. Have you thought about that? Whew. So how shall we then live? Because every one of us is going to make that journey. How will we stand before the king? Anyway, that's a whole other message, right? But we need to strengthen these foundations. And I want to give you four of them right now. And the first one was, I just gave you, the first is the most important commandment of which you need to learn to participate in, to love your neighbor as yourself, to love God with all your heart, and engage in that and understand it and to know it. Because when we love our neighbor as ourself, you have to remember that good deeds towards your neighbor opens doors. It opens doors to share your story of why you trust in Jesus. The second most important foundational stone in your life is this, the most important commission, the great commission. So the great commandment and the great commission, how are we doing? How are we doing on that? Is that foundation secure in your life? He says, I've given you all authority. Who's he given it? Not just to missionaries, but to all of us. Authority in heaven and earth, therefore go what? Make disciples of all nations. Do you know what that word nations is in the Greek, the original language? It's ethnos. A lot of times we think, well, missionaries, we just get rid of them, right? We send them over and let them do their thing in the other countries and we'll stay here. No, 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 no. He's saying for you to go into all nations. But what you got to understand, that doesn't mean just the nation across the ocean or some other foreign country. Ethnos means ethnicity. It means all people groups, wherever you are. It means going to people that are not like you. Guess what? You have a whole city full of people that are not like you. They're not believers. <laughs> and guess what? They probably have never had a presentation of the gospel in such a way that they could understand it. They just heard it on the radio, clicked it off. Never had a relationship with somebody that loved them as a neighbor and then shared the story of the gospel with them to give them an opportunity to escape hell and, and enjoy heaven. 
So we need to have this most important commission working in us, certainly church. You need to send missionaries to the foreign field. That's definitely part of it. But you also have to be willing as individuals, and this is where God is moving. He's moving to make disciples who will make disciples, and he's saying you have to be willing to make disciples wherever you go. That's your mission, wherever you go, where you go to work or whether you go to play or whatever. Your mission is to make disciples, followers of Christ that are passionate for him. Well, the most important, the most important uh, commandment, the most important commission are foundational stones. And then there's this most important message. It's another foundational stone that we have to have working in our life. And Paul writes about it in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 to 9, he says, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also, also been passed on to me. Now get this, here's the most important. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried, rose again from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture says. The gospel message. Are we actively engaged with understanding the gospel and sharing the gospel? The church has grown into this place of apathy where we expect missionaries and pastors to share the gospel. That is not Bible. Actually, missionaries, apostles, pastors, prophets, evangelists, teachers are to equip you to do that. But we flipped it. So God is challenging you to, to engage in this to participate in this, to understand the most important message. You've been entrusted with a God narrative. I would venture to say that I could talk to any one of you about your political view, and you would be able to tell me, well, I don't believe that or this, and I'm not going to sign up for that, and, and I believe that they should just get over it and you could probably give me an hour's worth of discussion on your political view. But I'm going to ask you, how long could you talk to me about God's narrative? Now, God's not thrashing you or condemning you. What he's saying is that's where you're headed. That you will be actively engaged in sharing God's narrative. Because it's much more important than your political narrative. <laughs> because the kingdom of God is coming. And he will establish policy. Well, the last most important stone that I want you to think about is the most important person. And I won't read the scripture, but it says in, I think it's Galatians. Maybe it's Ephesians. But Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Everything is measured off of him. Your life has to be measured off of Christ. How are you doing? Are we becoming more like Jesus? Or are we becoming more like the world? Are we, be, are we, are we willing to fight for what is eternal more than we're willing to fight for what is temporal? That's what God is asking of the church. He wants you to fight. He wants you to be a soldier and a warrior, but he wants you to fight the good fight of faith. Not engage in the fight that the enemy has going on in the world. He's raising you up. 
to be measured by Christ, this most important person. It's not just the story of Jesus. It's the person of Jesus. So the great commandment and the great commission and that most important gospel message and the most important person, those are the things that if you want to stand through the shaking that is coming to our world, you need to, you need to go back and you need to take a look at that. And you need to do a self-introspection and say, how am I doing? God, what are you saying to me about this? Because I certainly don't want to crash and burn during this time. Amen? And here's the most beautiful thing is that in it all, God is gracious. And he will help us to do things that we could never do. Well, finally, after we renew our faith and secure the foundations to stand unafraid in the midst of shaking, we need to set a daily reminder, okay? Every day you need to be reminding yourself of a couple things that we find in the last part of this chapter. First of all, that the Lord is in his temple. He still rules and reigns. The enemy is not in control. Men who think they're in control, they're just doing God's bidding. God is still in control. He's in the, on the throne, and guess what? He lives and dwells in you, in you as a believer. And the next thing I want you to remember is that the Lord is close to you right now during this time because you're being examined. He says, I examined both the wicked and the righteous. You're being examined. You're in a test. This is a test of your faith. It's kind of like you're being squeezed. Anybody feel like they're being squeezed right now? Acts 14.22 says that it's through much tribulation that you will enter into the kingdom of God. That word actually in the Greek means wine press. It means that you're being squeezed so hard to see what's coming out. What's coming out of you? Is it the character of Christ? Is it faith and joy and love and peace in the Holy Spirit? Or is it conflict and fear and doubt and worry? See, you're being tested, and it's a good time for you to take a look at what's coming out. And then finally, he loves justice and hates violence. He hates violence. But, but God loves justice, and we've heard a lot about justice, haven't we? But that narrative, too, has been hijacked by people who want popularity, power, and profit. But there is a message that's floating up to the top that is God's message. And he's saying, church, you need to learn how to love your neighbor as yourself. And you need to learn how to be a disciple that makes disciples. That's where we got to grow. That's where we got to change. Things have to change. They're not going to be going back to normal. There's no normal. There's a new normal that's coming. And he's going to use this church right here in absolutely profound ways because this pastor is not about doing it the way it has always been done and expecting a different result. That's crazy. He's willing to lead you as disciples to reach the 715 area code for Christ. And guess what? God is already at work doing that. And this man is just going to say, I'm getting on board with it. And so he's going to ask you to get on board too. He loves justice. You're called as agents to bring justice to where the scales of justice are out of balance. And we do that by loving our neighbor. If the church was doing what it's supposed to be doing everywhere in the world, 
we wouldn't have any justice issues. God is calling the church to accountability. So renew your trust in the Lord to stand unafraid in the midst of shaking. Strengthen the foundations of your faith. And set a daily reminder. Every day, remind yourself, God's still on the throne. I'm being tested right now. How am I doing? And that, you know what? I need to be an agent of justice. So I used to train dogs. I love training hunting dogs because, you know, they have, you have to teach them how to range. You, you can't just let a dog go out and run. And so I teach the dogs to range. And these dogs, some of them, when you would let them go out to hunt, they just take off. And they'd run and do their own thing, right? I was hunting pheasant and they were smelling deer. <laughs> and I, I'm telling you, church, as a Christian even, okay, I'm just telling on myself here. I get so cussing mad at those dogs. I was a swearing at them. <laughs> I wanted to beat them silly because I'd always have to go find them. But then there were those dogs that would get it. You know, they go out so far. And what I would do is I would stop walking. Some of those dogs would just take off, but then some would sense that I'd stopped walking and they'd look around and they'd find me and then they'd run back to me. And I felt such joy and such happiness because I'm a good dog, man, you're awesome. Here, you get a treat, you know, bless you. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that God has stopped walking. And he's looking to see who will return to him. And who's going to take this COVID excuse and bolt to their own hills to do what they want to do? You're being tested. God's watching to see if you'll return to him. And when you return to him, there is blessings forevermore. There is a fresh hope, a new life, a new anointing, new provision. And the fear of the future fades away. And God becomes your future. And that's what this is all about. And so I'm just going to ask your pastor to come and close this off. And let, let's just return to the Lord. Let, let's stop walking right now in our own thing and running off. And let's just turn around and see, Lord, what are you doing? Okay, Dan, stay right there. Scooch. All right. Doing a little bit of math. Got to hear this message for the second time. Yours is a story of a God who can do exceedingly, abundantly, more than we can think or even imagine. That's the God we serve. So God called you to Myanmar at age what? 57. And, okay, and you went? You, okay. I'm always thinking I'm young. I'm, I'm young, man. I'm good looking and, you know, I'm young. Something. Okay, go. Sorry. Your mask looks good on you. I'm Dan. spoiling the spirit. No. 59. Yeah. Because you said yes yep. to God, to the commandment, to the commission, to the message, to the person. Because you did that, 72 churches yes. were planted yes. in a country where no, no churches existed, right. to your knowledge. 72. Well, in, in the Buddhist areas that we went to, yes, for sure. In five years, yes. 72 churches. That's by God's grace. And, that, okay. and I had help. <laughs> okay, so I did a little math. That is approximately 12 churches a year. Mm -hmm. That is approximately one church a month. Mm -hmm. Okay? But you're a missionary. Mm. But so are we. <laughs> okay, right? 
But but you did that full time. Exactly. All right. Maybe we maybe we cut these missionaries a little slack. Only a little. Just a little. So what if? Just what if? Right. God gave us a vision, and he, we just said one person a year. Totally. One person a year. You change the world. Just one. What if we What if we just picked up the mantra and we just said in 2021, just one. So a church of approximately 200 people by this time next year would be a church of 400 people. But what if, what if people said, no, 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 Dan, I'm not just a missionary, just one. What if I really asked God? What if I said yes to what you were talking about here? And what if I just said I asked God for 12 people, one a month? That's what, that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. And one of them took off on him. So do the 11 and it <laughs> exactly. still works out. Exactly. Don't mess with my math here. Okay. okay. <laughs> if, if we had a church of 200 people that said that, yep. and you began to write down 12 names in 2021, and you just started to pray. Pray for them. Pray for them. You just started to pray. Because the opportunity, you really don't need to go searching for the opportunities. When you start praying, the opportunities come. Yes. At, at a church of 200 people, at 12 people for the year, that would turn into a church of 2,400 people. Right. Because we serve a God who can do exceedingly. Well, you have to see the vision is a million souls. Only God can do that. God, God, only God can do this. Only God can lead you to, to make a disciple. Only God can empower you to do that because you're not going to do it on your own. How many, have you done it yet? No, but there's a new wave of anointing coming so that you can become disciple makers. And that's what Jesus did. He just did 12. And guess what? The whole world was changed by doing 12. If you just did 12 over your lifetime, but the key is, Pastor, is you got to teach them how to make disciples who actually then go and make disciples themselves. You're stealing my thunder, man. Okay. You're stealing my thunder. <laughs> Dan, I love your heart. I'm confirming what you're I saying. I love your heart, Thanks. man. I love your heart. And if we truly own, we truly own that I am, it's more than those guys who are standing up there on that platform. I am a minister. No, 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 no. I'm more than a minister. I'm a missionary. We own that. Yes. And we really, really believe that if God can heal a man of cancer, yes. that, that he could take away that, that, that the death warrant that was put on you. Yeah, absolutely. He can do exceedingly abundantly more than I can think or imagine. He can start 72 churches in a country where that is unheard of. What can he do through me? Yeah. Can we I, just I'll tell you, the, the safest place to be on earth is in the perfect will of God. I am glad I was planting churches when I got pancreatic cancer <laughs> because it's the safest place to be is being obedient to Jesus many people want God to pour out on them all these blessings but they they're like that dog they're just following their own trails and so oftentimes we're way outside of God's you know God's purposes and plans and the reason he healed me because he's got a purpose yet for me we're all going to die at some point in time when our time is up you don't want to go early so figure it out. Get on with God, what he's called you to do, and there's safety there. And if you're looking for purpose and you're looking for fulfillment, voila, it's right there. Thank you, God. Can we just give these heroes just a, a round of applause? Blessings applause. on you. We love you, church. Thank you so much for checking out the Drive Church podcast. 
I hope you were inspired by the message today. If you liked what you heard, please like, subscribe, and share this podcast so we can impact more lives. Remember, wherever you are in your faith journey, you are welcomed, loved, and accepted. Have a wonderful day.